0: Amen. You know, I, I, I was just sitting there thinking. We work with a lot of singing groups. And I see a lot of singers. But I want to thank the Lord for the way that he's blessed the Dixie Melody Boys. Not only for the way they sing, but for the way they look. And for the testimony they have for the glory of God. And I, you know, I like the way they dress. Uh, you see a lot of singers, and they try to impress the crowd with their looks. But when I hear the Dixie Melody Boys, I really am not conscious of a performance, because I hear the Lord through their singing. And I want them to know that I appreciate it. And especially that song. i tell you tonight, I, I'm just so thrilled in my soul that I am an American, but more than that that I'm saved and when when the choir was singing did you notice a breeze that blew that flag and it was just standing out and it just thrilled me and excited me that this flag is flying tonight and that this flag represents the Christians and I you know I know that the devil does a lot and he's trying to hoodwink the world to believe that He'll be successful. But since I've read the book of Revelation, I know that in the end time, the saints are going to inherit the kingdom. And that's forever and, forever and forever and forever and forever on top of that. And so I'm grateful to God that we can meet here in a camp meeting and have ourselves a good time in the Lord Jesus. We'll have a better time in here than they'll have at a tavern. That's right. Thank God we won't have a hangover in the morning either. But I think it's the same that the devil's led the world to believe that you can have a better time in the amusement parks of the world and the taverns than you can have in the meeting house of God. I believe he's led some children of God to believe that. That we'll offend sinners if we have a good time. Well, sinners think they're the ones having a good time, but it's really us who are supposed to have it. Now, yeah, right. uh, we don't have to have what the world has to have a good time because in God's presence are pleasures forevermore. And that's the reason we're here. And if God blesses you, just let her live. Men, we're not interested in your dignity and your sophistication. That's right. And this is a place for the children to shout about the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that's the reason we're here. Well, let me get on in mind, and we'll hear the Dixie Melody boys again and Brother John. I sure do like the way he preaches. In fact, I think you ought to uh, save his sweat and put it in a little bottle and sell it.
1: <laughs>
0: Man, that's holy water. <clears throat> well, I, <laughs> I like it. I like to see a sweat like he does and creeps like he does. That's a blessing. If you hadn't heard him, you'll, you'll be thrilled to hear him after a while as he preaches to you. But you turn with me to Joshua chapter 3 and let me take my time and my turn and get it over with and go on. Tonight I want to speak to you for a little while on resting in Jordan. I know you're familiar with this passage. It's the crossing of the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua. Now Joshua is the Old Testament word for the New Testament word Jesus. And if you follow the leadership of Jesus, you'll find rest. So Joshua is fixing to lead the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, which is the place of rest and the abundant life. There's only one way the land of Canaan represents heaven. It is the promised land. Outside of that, it is not comparative to heaven. I was down in the state of Tennessee, and a preacher said, we're glad to have you in our state. Our state is the land of Canaan, you know. And he said, you're from Mississippi. And that's all right, but said, it's less than the least. Well, that kind of stirred me up a little. And uh, when he said, it's a land of Canaan again, I said, yes, sir. It's just like the land of Canaan. It had the devil in it and defeat in it. You had to fight for every inch of it. (laughs) Amen. All right, let's look at it. In the crossing of the Jordan. Now, let's begin reading with verse 1, and we'll try to allow the Holy Spirit to get us into the message. Now, I remember one day when I preached this, I got under conviction. Now, I don't know whether you preachers have been under conviction in your own sermon or not, but when I was preaching the first verse, the Holy Spirit took the word like a knife and pierced my soul. The verse says, and Joshua rose early in the morning. And that phrase stuck in my soul because I'd always been the type of preacher who liked to stay up late and sleep later. And the Lord started dealing with me about rising early in the morning. Now, all the time I preached a sermon on the crossing of the Jordan, all I could think about was Joshua rising early in the morning. So the next week, the Holy Ghost began to deal with me and show me myself. And he told me, did you know, and talking to me now, did you know that you rise early to do what you want to do the most and you rise late to do what you want to do the least? Well, that was hard for me to handle. There are four times that Joshua rose early. Number one is in this passage, he rose early to journey. And God reminded me when I'm going on a vacation that I like to rise early, set the alarm clock, and make my journey and make my trip. But then the Lord reminded me of something else. I'm a deer hunter. I love to hunt deer. And down in Mississippi where we hunt, we set the alarm clock about 3 o'clock, get up and eat and go and climb a stupid th- tree 30 feet in the air 12 degrees or 10 degrees and wait till daylight. And then the Holy Ghost says, would you do that? For a spiritual blessing? And I had to confess, Lord, I'll rise early to do hunt. But I don't know whether I'll rise early to obey you and hunt. But he wouldn't leave it for that. He reminded me of my fishing trips I made. And the times I'd set the alarm clock. And as soon as the alarm went off, I'd jump to my feet and anxiously get my fishing stuff together if I didn't have it together. And make my way to the pond. And then he reminded me of how I acted on Sunday morning when I got up. Uh Uh-huh, I can tell some of you rascals are the same way I am, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh, long clock goes off Sunday morning, first thing you want to do is turn it off or throw it out the window. Man, you had a bad case of the dropsy on Sunday. You drug out of bed and drove to the breakfast table, and drove to the house of the Lord, and got there fifteen minutes
2: late. <laughs> and Joshua rose early in the morning.
0: Well, well, a minute, let me show you the other passages that are here. Turn to John or Joshua, chapter six, and we'll just see the times he rose early in the morning, and for what purpose. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 12 says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. This is the passage where God told him to march around Jericho one time a day for six days. And when you first read the passage, you think Joshua rose early in the morning because of the length of time it would take him to go around the city. But if you look at verse 15 the scripture said And it came to pass on the seventh day That they rose early about the dawning of the day And compassed the city after the same manner seven times Only in that day they compassed the city seven times Now Joshua didn't rise early in the first verse Because of the length of time in God He rose early to do the will of the Lord and to obey the Lord there's a spiritual principle, ladies and gentlemen, that you should desire obedience, that you should desire the will of the Lord, to where there's an early rising inside your soul to do what He says first of all. But feed it with me, if you would, please, into chapter number 7. And this one really dealt with my heart, verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. This was the day when he dealt with sin in the camp of Israel. And wouldn't it be great if we couldn't wait and we anxiously anticipated dealing with sin in our lives. But most of us ignore the sin problem But Joshua rose early to deal with it. Then in chapter number 8 and verse number 10, And Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And the simple truth of that, Joshua rose early in the morning to do battle for the Lord. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 3 and get into the message itself. And Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Sidon and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel And lodged there before they passed over Now three things you're going to see By way of introduction of the message Is first the waiting place Second is the waiting period And third the waiting purpose Now I don't know about you But my biggest problem is waiting upon the Lord I have difficulty in waiting upon God. But folks, when it's time to wait on the Lord, you can do no greater thing than wait upon Him. And when you're waiting upon Him, it doesn't mean you're doing nothing. It means you're waiting on God. And yet some say, I don't have time to wait on God. I I have too much to do. Well, if you do it without the power of the Lord, it won't do you any good. It's a effort. So we must learn how to wait upon the Lord. So you're going to see the waiting place. I call it, and I hope you have your thinking cap on tonight, the Jordanian Lodge. You see verse 1? He came to Jordan and lodged there. And I'm not talking about an organization either, amen? I'm talking about the lodges. There is a Jordanian lodge. There is a place where Joshua waited upon the Lord. Now here's the truth. It had been 40 years since Cadiz Barnea. The people were anxiously awaiting the land of Canaan. They could have foolishly run into the river and drowned. You say, well, why didn't they just go on in? When you don't know what to do, you do nothing till God tells you. Well, here's Joshua waiting in the waiting place. Now, can you see him? Now, to the world and maybe to some of the Israelites, he was doing nothing because he stopped on the Jordan bank. You say, well, what would you have done? I'd have done the same thing, I believe. I'd have waited for a promise from God, because anytime you're waiting, you're waiting on a promise. And if you ever get the promise, you'll see a persuasion and then a performance. But you never don't do any business for God, and there won't be any rivers part, and there won't be any rest until you get God's promise. You'll see that in a few minutes. But now notice the waiting period. Now here he is. Three days. Three days they wait right here. And in this waiting period, in verse number 2, it said it came to pass after three days. Then they go through and give the command that God gave unto them. Now, this three days is a waiting period. Jesus was in the tomb three days. Paul was blind three days. Abraham journeyed for three days to arrive in the land of Moriah. Jonah was in the fish three days. Joseph was in prison. And the baker and the butler were going to appear before Pharaoh in three days. Darkness was in the land of Egypt for three days. And the spies were hidden in Joshua 2 for three days. And it means the waiting period. And like I said, here is a time where they waited upon God to have a sense of direction. Now third, you see the waiting purpose. They waited for the promise of God. Now look what happened here in verse number 3. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bury it, then ye shall remove from this place and go after it. Well, the reason they waited was to get their sense of direction. To know which way the ark is going. And the ark always spoke of divine presence. And if I can find which way God's going, praise God, I'm going that direction. But there was a space between them and the priest who carried the ark, which speaks of sanctification. And you see some more about sanctification. Look at verse number 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the world will do wonders among you. Now let's take this like a local church. Because a local church has a pastor who is the leader, he is the guide, and he is the director. And a church follows the leadership of God's man. But God's man doesn't always know which way to go. And if you ever find the man of God in a waiting place, when you think the church is supposed to go on headstrong, you may lead it in blindly and drown the whole bunch. And that's the reason you you deacons ought to watch it. When you come to the pastor and say, Well, we're not getting anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not progressing. And we're not backing up. We're to stand still. Don't you think you ought to jump in or do something? What are you going to do if you had not heard from God? And some folks, I wish I could push in.
2: What? What? Right. Okay. How hey, can you come to Jos? Can you imagine coming to Joshua after the second day? So what do you do? I'm sweet Joshua sitting over there on the bank. What do you doing, Joshua? The middle of the
0: Lord. You doing nothing, I know. It. Why don't you do something? What? Well, why don't you get something from God? That's what I am. I'm waiting on the answer. <laughs> now, If there's something the man of God has difficulty with, it's waiting on the answer for God. But if there's something, if there's somebody who has more trouble than he does, it's the folks who are trying to follow him. <laughs> hey Pastor, hey preach, why don't you get this thing going? I am Then <laughs> what's wrong with you I'm in the waiting period And as soon as I hear from God We're going to go But Until I hear from it, We're doing nothing Well if you're doing nothing You have the will of the Lord huh. That's God When you don't know what to do Don't do it
2: hey, When you know not to do it That's the will of the Lord hey
0: somebody says I know which way to go I do too but sometimes I just know which way not to
2: just don't try to get me to go in the direction he had not led and don't try to get me to jump in the river for he tells me alright now he had the way on the promise of God but he told God told him
0: and then he told the people, said, follow that ark. But now here's a commandment. Look at verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, praise God for the voice of the Lord. He used to kill me. College and seminary, you know what some of those professors said. Don't say the Lord said. Say so he influences you. Well, I can't find it in the Word of God where he influenced anybody. But I can find it in the Word of God where the Holy Ghost said. Amen. Amen. And if he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, and if he said, he just said. So that's crazy. Uh Ah, He's got a voice and he can talk if he wants to. Read the book of Acts where it said, The Holy Ghost said to Peter, Three men stand without the gate. Go with them doubting nothing." And somebody says, well, the Holy Ghost is just a word. Holy Ghost is not a word. The Holy Ghost uses a word. The reason you want to admit he's a person, you're afraid he's going to talk to you. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, three men seek me out means he can talk. And the reason you're afraid for him to talk to you, you're afraid he can tell you you what to give in the offering and scare you to death.
2: (laughs) somebody said the Holy Ghost influences me
0: well the reason you like for him to influence you is that you get some kind of feeling and misinterpret it and satisfy yourself and justify yourself in it Mm -hmm. and you say I believe the Lord's trying to tell me something God never tried to tell anybody anytime anywhere anything he either does or he doesn't and he doesn't stutter for your information either Get gets said right, say that he upset. You know I have such a bishop like it did for Moses To get your attention But after he gets his attention Then he'll to you mm-hmm. My trouble is I'm always trying to interpret Why the bushes are burning <laughs> That's like waiting on God I'm always wondering What I'm doing at the Jordanian lodge I'm always trying to figure out Why well, you know what's, what's happening When there's nothing happening Well praise God When there's nothing happening It just means God's in operation Doing nothing <laughs> he said, Preacher, I can't I can't either. That's the reason I'm always trying to get out of the Jordanian lodge. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hmm? Hey, let's go back over right in the wilderness where something was happening, or let's get over in the land of Canaan. Listen here do nothing. But hallelujah, when you're waiting on God, that's nothing. That's something. Amen. That's not nothing. You say, but preacher, I thought I thought nothing can never be something. oh yes Nothing can be something. You say, well, I thought nothing's nothing. It is. But see, if God ever tells you to give something, to give nothing, then nothing becomes something unacceptable to God. <laughs> Did you get that point? <laughs> One,
2: more <time. laughs> One more time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> see, some folks,
0: it's like an offering, God tells you to give something, and then you give Nothing. Well nothing becomes something Unacceptable to God Huh You say well God told me to give something I'm going to give it I'm going to give nothing Well that's when nothing becomes something But that something is unacceptable to God Uh huh <laughs> <I will.
1: laughs>
0: You know I like that phrase there, preacher you know, they used to tell, us, you, know, they tell you to preach a 30-minute sermon. You know, they train you to preach 28 minutes. in school, it just didn't take on some of us. <laughs> but I heard of a professor who told his class, said that uh, if you hadn't struck all in 30 minutes, you may as well have quit. Well, you know what the trouble is? There's some of us so dry that it takes us 28 minutes to strike it and then we cough it won't give a minute.
2: It takes some folks 30 minutes to hit the stream
0: And then when they hit it They look at their watch and say Well I better cap this till later Man if they go into the dry hole Give them something when you finally do hit the stream Amen I don't know how that got in there I don't even know where I was now But I liked it And Joshua said Or the Lord said to Joshua Verse number 7 This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with thee. If Joshua had not waited he would have led the people into the water. He would not have parted and they would have become critical of their leader. If he had not waited upon the Lord he would have destroyed himself and the people in the process. So whether or not people understand the man of God, he must wait on God and God's promise and God's direction so that God can magnify him in the eyes of the people. You don't lift yourself up in people's eyes. You obey God and God magnifies you as a man of God. But the only way to do that is to wait on the Lord till you have a sense of direction, till you have the mind of God, till you have the Word of God. And Joshua got it after three days, and then he told them what to do. Now listen. Verse number 8, And thou shalt command the priest, that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are coming to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now, three things I want you to see briefly. All that's introduction, all right? I'm not going to take John's time. But because right here, we ain't got any time. Amen. Man, we just preach till we get through. <laughs> Amen? But I'm not going to take long in this tonight. But there's something precious in here. What you're fixing to see are three Ps. I call them a P-patch. Purple hole. Romans chapter 4 says Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Don't you change those peas? He was fully persuaded what God had promised, he was able to perform. First comes the promise, second the persuasion, and third the performance. Now brother, you don't change that. Some preachers especially try to persuade God of a promise to get a performance. Or some wait on a performance to persuade them of a promise. But it is the promise that persuades you of a performance because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody says, well, I'm going to step out on faith and expect God to take care of me. Well, if he didn't tell you to step out, you'll die starvation. He said, God won't let me die. Yes, because some folks try to claim promises God never energized. Yeah. Right. Don't you try to claim a promise that God didn't give you. If God didn't give it to you, it won't work. But if he did, it'll come to pass if it had lips the devil. Say, so it won't work, it will work, God will take care of you if you step out on a promise. I read an illustration, faith is stepping out on the void. I don't believe that faith is stepping out on the promise and finding the word of God underneath. Amen. Amen. All right, now what you're fixing to see is the promise of a performance. Now this promise, he said, when ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now look at verse 13. And it shall come to pass... As soon as the souls of the feet of the priest, that bare the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest. Now this is the purpose of the message, resting in Jordan. Rest in the waters of Jordan. That the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Now that is the promise of a performance. God said, Joshua, You tell the priest to bear the ark, to pick it up, and to carry it, and step into the Jordan. And when the feet of the priest come to rest in the Jordan, I'll part it, and the waters will stand upon a heap. Now to the world, they'd think it foolishness. But to the children of God, it is the most practical thing to do. Now second, I want you to see the persuasion of the promise. Now here verses 14 and 15. And it came to pass when the people removed from the tents to pass over Jordan that the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people as they that bear the ark were coming to the Jordan and the feet of the priests that bare the ark were dipped in the brink of the water for Jordan overflowed all his banks at the time of harvest. Now I'm going to stop right there before we show you what happened. But I want to deal with the persuasion for just a moment. Now God said, When the feet of the priests come to rest in the Jordan. Now dear, listen to me just for a minute. I want to build a foundation of something. There is what's called creation rest. Creation rest. The seventh day God rested. The Bible said in Genesis 2 1, and he finished the heavens and the earth. Well, he rested not because he was tired, but because he was through. Nothing could be added and nothing could be taken away. And the Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of the seventh day rest. As God rested on the seventh day. And resting means there's nothing more to do and nothing can be taken away. So God rested. And you know he did a good job because the universe is still functioning till this big day. That's creation rest. But there's what's called redemptive rest. Jesus Christ said to the Father in John 17, I finished the work which you sent me to do. And on Calvary's cross, he said, It is finished! And when He arose from the dead, He ascended into heaven and obtained eternal redemption for us. And then you know what He did? He sat down on the right hand of the Father. You say, He sat down for what? Because He's tired? No, but because He was through. Praise God, you can't add anything to redemption and you can't take anything away. Jesus did a good job when He finished it. But there's a salvation rest. Hebrews 4 said, They that believe have entered into rest as God the day I got saved I entered into a condition of rest it was finished that day that was the morning 1130 when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ I entered and ceased from my labors as God ceased from his and I didn't work for it and I didn't work to keep it I don't have to because it can't be anything attitude or anything taken away from it the day I got saved it was over with done completed and it's still functioning for the glory of God but then there's an obedience rest and this is it right here an obedience rest. Resting in a promise. Doing what God said the way God said it. And then watching for a performance. Glory to God, I like this. Now, how would you like to have been the priest? You know, the preachers always have to step in first, don't they? Have you ever noticed that? Now, live it with me, all right? When I read the scriptures, I don't just read them as a history. I get over there with them. Well, when I was reading this history, Read the story of this I got to be the lead priest Here we go You dig some other boys You on there You don't got your hurt Come on now You got it You got it there You got preacher you yeah. got you in there You know Alright All the right. rest of you preachers Come on here we go <laughs> Fellas You see that river It's rampaging Oh, look at that! I want to ask you, fellow, something. You believe God can do anything? Then Walker said, "Yes, sir. We, I believe God can do anything, don't you? Yes, sir. <clears throat> you want Him to do anything? Do you more than anything else in the world? Wonder how we're going to cross that path I know what God said, but I, you know, will it really work? <laughs> hey, has anybody else ever done this
1: before? <laughs> oh,
0: finally we come right up on the, right up on the bank, you know, here we are, here here we come now, We're right up here and there's the Jordan. What will us do? Let's have a prayer meeting. Okay, 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 okay. Jimmy Walker, lead us in prayer. You must be backslidden. Ed O'Neill? Lead us in prayer.
2: And hear know word. Oh, Lord. Part together. <laughs> you
0: say, what are you doing? While well, they're I'm fulfilling the verse of Scripture. i give you an question. Just remember where I am. I went to North Carolina one time. I was invited to preach the Spruce Pine camp meeting. And Brother John probably knows where that is. Spruce Pine, North Carolina. They have a tri-county camp meeting. And I will tell you, those folks up there, those mountain folks, they different from anything i would ever seen. I'm a flatlander. And I went up there, we met in this huge tabernacle, and they had a lot of preachers. And, and a second row, half full of preachers. I don't see so many preachers. And they call on the preacher, the fourth from my left, to pray. And I'm sitting here in my dignity, you know, waiting on for them to introduce me to preach. And about that time, they call on this man to pray, and he pours out in the floor, and every one of those preachers just fall out in the floor. Boy, I looked down through there. I looked up there, I thought, well, I better get off here in the floor with them. <laughs> but they got to praying at the same time.
2: Man, I wasn't used to that. <laughs> hey, where I came from,
0: nobody prayed at the same time. You all didn't even get any minutes. Why well, I got to all pray. And I mean, there's a plan like trying to the swarm beach. You say, what would you do? I was fulfilling one verse of Scripture. The Bible says, watch and pray. So I watch while they pray.
2: that's what I'm doing here on the back of the Jordan I'm watching while they're praying
0: praying, praying well here's the truth it doesn't do any good to pray when God's already told you what to do you pray to find out the will of God you don't pray when you find it out you're obedient and then when I was saying hey you know what this prayer is not doing the good let's praise a while how about you having a shout and spell okay ha <laughs> hey, hallelujah glory to God still hadn't parted now it. so see it's not time to shout when well, it's time to obey there's a time to shout but there's a time to obey you say but preacher if it's not time to praise what's it time for if it's not time to pray, and it's not time to praise, it's time to practice. Uh-huh. but here's what we do. Uh, come on now. You with me? Tell you what let's do. Let's don't do anything till we see our way clear. Haven't seen these Baptist folks? We call them sight Baptists. And they're really sight. Because they're not going to do anything until they see it happen. And as soon as they see it happen, they're going to get in. But they're not going to get in until somebody else steps in before. I'm sure some of the I hear some of them murmuring of the children of Israel, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not the one who steps in first. <laughs> I'm sure God didn't tell me to do that. I'll follow the man who gets in first, but don't ask me to do it. So here's the lead priest. Here we come now. He's a sight Baptist now remember. He's not faith Baptist. He's sight Baptist. He said what are those? Those are what we call straddlers. They're not all the way in, and they're not all the way out. If they step in and it makes it, they'll step in. But they're afraid it might not make it, so they're going to keep a foot over here, and then always step out if it goes under. (laughs) Oh, that crowd. Security. Yeah, I think I'll just straddle. I'll just play both sides. And every side, you know. I'm with you. Hold on to me now. <laughs> right on to me. I'm, I'm going to hold on to you folks. Now, if it makes it, we'll all jump in together. But if it doesn't, we'll just straddle the fence. You know what I found, folks? You can't straddle the fence, fence. with God. You've got to get all the way in or all the way out. And if there's not something worth living for or dying for, no need of getting in to start with. And that's where I feel about a local church or a camp meeting or anything else God has. Live, die, sink, or swim. I'm going to go with it. And that's where I feel about local church. First God, don't get in to see what's going to happen. Get in. And if she rises, rise with her. And if she bottoms out, bottom out with her. And that's where I feel about this camp meeting here in Ypsilanti Mission. If it grows to 10,000, I want to be right here all the way. In. And if she gets down to three of us, I want to be one of the three that's still live. You
1: know
0: why? Because I don't like straddling. Hmm? Hey, I'm not talking about you folks who belong to other churches. I'm not talking about some of you have left this church. I know somebody belongs to other churches. See, if you left this church on the leadership of God, and more power to you. Just help yourself wherever you are. That's be, you can go where you want to. I mean, go where God leads you to. I say, I'm not one of these who believes this thing it says, go join the church of your choice. That's a lot of malarkey. Go join the church of God's choice. Amen. But I tell you what, if you ever leave a church and you're not in the will of God, there's nothing but misery gonna come your way. But wherever you are, whatever your church you're in, don't straddle the fence. Get in there at both feet for the glory of God and say, live, die, seek, or swim. We're going to God. Stradders. And then there's another crowd. I call them toe dippers. They want just enough of it. To where they can say, well, at least I tried and nothing happened.
2: Amen. Huh? Yeah. What's some you turn red for? <laughs> Man, you're not only looking red, you're looking plum sheepish.
0: But let me show you another craft. I call them the Shakers.
2: rest. Hmm. <laughs> I'm make I'm make <laughs> That's what are we gonna gonna
0: it? I choose the word badness. I when they don't have enough money.
1: <laughs>
0: Amen. Hey, some of you families know about that. Uh, hey, some of you
2: wives. <laughs> Oh, I'm scared. Who oh, are we going to make it, honey? Oh, well, I can see something better. I know God said He'd supply all my needs, but I'm scared. How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? Oh, I keep spending it. I'm going to have to get back. I know. I, I wanted to, God, but you know. I just quit. I got to quit. I tried it, Lord. You saw me try it. I got no feet in.
0: <laughs> Sir, oh, got a rest? Lord, how do you rest? when the, It's flooding. Look at that. Well, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's a rest in obedience. It says when the feet of the priest come to rest in the Jordan. And God said, stand still. Did you see those two emphases? Stand still in Jordan and rest in Jordan. You say, How can you do that when circumstances are against it? There is no circumstance against the promise of God. Here's what happened the lead priest was persuaded of a promise, and when he obeyed the promise, he had a performance. So he took a hold of the front of the ark. When he got to the river, he didn't even check up. In his heart, he was saying, watch this. Watch what God's fixing to do. I believe he stepped one foot out. And then he stepped the other foot out. And the other foot stepped right in behind him. Until all of them got in, And then they just locked both feet down. and then they looked not to see if it happened but to watch it happen glory to God when you got a promise it'll persuade you and you'll do it if you had to jump in the water and God will do what he said he'd do and the Bible said it parted. It came in an aquarium. The Bible didn't say that. But the water's heaped up. And you imagine those Israelites walking
2: along and looking at those fishes. <laughs> Walk along right around, hello catfish. <laughs> hello bass, brim, whatever you are. Say ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> Can't don't flood me. Can't no flood me. Let me let me let me let me share something with you. You know
0: who stand out in the midst to that river? The priests are. The priests were the first ones in, and stayed in the middle of it till everybody crossed over. And when everybody crossed over, the last. That first of all, my high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, provided me a way. And he came in before me. And stands in the place where he commands me and provides me a way. And some of these days, I'm going to enter the promised land. Amen. From the one aspect. Because Jesus has already cleared out the pathway. And death to me is just like that river. Praise God. He's already made a pathway. I just don't see it yet. But one day I'll step into death. And when I do, I'll just keep on the walking. And my high priest will be right there watching over me. And when I step on the other side, he'll step on the other side. But there's another spiritual truth. The men of God will never ask a church to go where they won't go first. A preacher who will ask his church to do something he won't do is not much of a preacher. And a man of God who won't give everything he has before his people and do what God says is not much of a man of God. A priest who is obedient to God steps in and he watches over his flock as they go through and he steps out after they do and not before they do. But you say, but preacher, what happened? Well, I want you to see this last thing. Look with me in the next chapter, in chapter number 5, verse 1, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on this side of Jordan rested. And the kings of the Canaanites, which were on the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their hearts melted. Neither was their spirit in any of them anymore because of the children of Israel. I want to ask you a question. How would they hear about it? Joshua didn't send out messengers to and say, God parted the river. And the Israelites didn't have to go anywhere to tell them God had performed a miracle. How would they hear about it? i tell you how I believe they heard about it. Did you know you can't dam up a river? It's got to go somewhere. And if you ever dam it up, it's going to run all over you. I can see this Canaanite farmer up in the valley plowing. Oh, here comes the river. Man, that river's never been up here before. I wonder where that's coming from. I can see him running for higher ground. It's a, it's a running all over him. And I'd see him run up to the top of the hill and peep over. And here's all of God's little young Passing through. He says, never seen anything like that in my life. And the hearts of the people melted. Ladies and gentlemen, when God's people have the power of God on them, the hearts of sinners melt. You don't have to tell them anything. They know when the power of God's on. They know when it's on. And even the cold-hearted sinners melt in the presence of the power of God. That's the reason all we need is the promise of God. And it'll persuade us and then do what he says. And let the performance come and the power come. And God will take care of the publicity. Now, that's not saying, don't, I, you know, write letters and all that kind of stuff. It's just saying this. Praise God when the river gets out, everybody's going to know it. Amen. Now listen to this and I'm through John chapter 7 says, verse 37 following, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. I got some rivers of living water living inside of me. And if somebody tries to dam up my rivers, I'm going to flow all over them. (laughs) Hey, if you'd act right, you'd flood some folks. You say, but I don't know how to act right. Well, the Bible said, when men revile yourself out of evil against you falsely, rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's a promise. For great is your reward in heaven. Amen, that word means jump up and down on them, means shout on them. And if people mistreat you, don't feel sorry, because God just gave you a promise of a reward, and that's shouting ground. But here's the truth of a church. There is an obedience rest. And when that church does what God says, There's going to be demonstrations of God's power. But God's people must get all the way in and rest in what God says. And if you do that, you can expect a performance.